So I wanted to show biblically what's the definition of joy? What does joy look like for God's people? Biblically speaking, joy is an attitude. Hello and welcome to You Matter, a Spring Hills podcast. I'm Josh Meyer. Thanks so much for joining us today on our Going Deeper episode. Today, we are going deeper on this past weekend's sermon titled, Joy, with the scripture of Proverbs 12, 25, that focuses on understanding the profound nature of joy and its spiritual significance. Today, I have Pastor Dan on the show to help me go deeper. Dan, how's it going? Hey, Pastor Josh, it's going well. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's such a pleasure. How are things going for you with your family and preparing for Christmas and all the different things? Great question. Um, We love Christmas especially Brittany, and decorating and all of that. Of course, I shared some about Christmas lights during the sermon. And I would say at this point, we are ready for school to let out, which is today at, I don't know, 2 p.m. or something like that. Kids will be home. We've got family coming into town in a couple of days. We're all very excited. Awesome. So does the family stay with you? Do you have like a spare spare bedroom or something they can stay in? Yeah, that's right. So it's Brittany's twin sister and her family. So three boys, six and under, and then her husband. We've got a, a room downstairs and then plenty of space for everybody to spread out and hang out and activities planned every day. It's going to be super fun. Oh man. If I was one of your four boys, I would be so excited that I have three more boys joining the crew yes. for the next few days. It's going to yes. be awesome. Yeah. We'll have seven, uh, 18 and under and It'll be WrestleMania. It's fantastic. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh, that sounds awesome. Well, um, Dan, I'm really grateful to have you on the show today. You did an incredible job speaking about joy. One of the things that I just recently shared with you that my wife said to me as soon as I came home, she's like, yes, Pastor Dan was perfect for Mm. joy. Um, That is just one of the natural gifts that you have. Like You definitely embody joy, uh, positivity. Um, In a way, I think it's very interesting I think it has a lot to do with your walk with life. Like sure. you have been in joy, choosing joy your whole life. Yeah. We had the fortune of, you know, being raised um, right. with an awesome mom and dad and, you know, good siblings and things like that. And then you really just had the opportunity to lean into a really powerful message about those who have been in the opportunity to not choose joy sure, and then do so. Right. And what we saw with scripture. So before we jump in, we always like to ask you, is there anything that you would have loved to cover in the message that you left out. Yeah, totally. So, and I did mention it, you know, while I was preaching, um, Proverbs twelve twenty five is is pretty meaningful to me, and I think also pertains perfectly to this subject matter. So I'll read that now. It says, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. And I actually read that verse just kind of happenstance during my quiet time a few days before I was to preach. And it really struck me in the moment, this is true for everybody, right? Of course, but it struck me in the moment to mention husbands and wives. Hmm. And uh, if I was able to preach on it, what I would have wanted to do was call out specifically the stress and anxiety that wives feel. Uh, And in particular, this time of year, right? Lots of cleaning, lots of hosting, lots of prepping, that kind of thing. And And I wanted to speak you know, to husbands in particular about this idea of recognizing stress and anxiety in our spouses and then delivering a kind word. I can't tell you, Josh, how many times in my life I haven't recognized, you know, Brittany's behavior 
coming from stress or anxiety, especially again, this time of year due to hosting or events or or whatever it is, it's unconscious stress that I don't associate with. And then my reaction is the opposite of what she needs, right? Mm. And when clearly, biblically, what she really needed from me was a kind word. It wasn't a, this is how we fix it. It wasn't a, why did this happen? Or why can't this be better? It's just, I love you. You're amazing. Thank you for what you do, right? Mm -hmm. So often, um, I think that we, as husbands, me, maybe I should just speak for myself, but probably we can overlook some of the little things that our wives probably do for us uh, or feel like they could be done differently, right? Or more efficiently. Uh, Grocery shopping, something I've tried to do the last year. Every time, you know, Brittany will go and get groceries, just try to thank her for that. It's a huge task, right? Just for our family. And it's stressful and it's so expensive, especially this year. And that can be a real drag, right? Just the cost of groceries can be a thief of joy. And so I've been trying to make a point to just say, hey, thank you for doing this. I don't ever have to do it because you do it so well. And I think Proverbs 12, 25 is really, really important for us as parents to recognize in our children. Why is, what's our children's negative behavior related to? Is it simply just stress and anxiety? Am I putting that on my child? What can I do to alleviate some of that? And according to Proverbs, it's a kind word, right? It's something encouraging. And mm. husbands need it too, right? Men need it too, definitely. And maybe men could recognize that in each other. But the stress that a woman feels, the stress that a wife feels, I just feel strongly. It's just different. It can be hard for us to recognize. So it's important we recognize it and then we acknowledge them. We don't have to fix it. Just acknowledge them with a kind word, with something encouraging. Yeah, I really like what you said right there. One, obviously different couples and different relationships have different love languages. And so while I do see here that a word, and that is certainly applicable to me, you know, that's part of my love language is is someone to give me that affirmation or when I need it. Um, I think when the general thing that I'm picking up from you is, is this intentionality Mm. of love with intentionality, Mm -hmm. because really what happens is, is anxiety and societal pressures can manifest at this time of the year. Right. And you trying to be a student of your bride's heart is so important because it gives you that attuneness to know when to offer the kind word yeah, and to, to be a combatant against anxiety in that way. And for me in, in my journey, I, I totally agree with you actually, even though my wife's love language is more action mm-hmm. and like works of service, mm. uh, she also needs to hear that as well. Mm-hmm. And you particularly, I notice that when we come into seasons of stress, just like even yeah. if it's Thanksgiving, like who doesn't want to have a great Thanksgiving get together, right? But it's the prep work behind it. And us as guys sure. sometimes don't pick up on the right. societal pressures or the anxiety that's, you know, just being laid heavily mm-hmm. on our spouses or even our children. The pressures that they are experiencing in our world today are elevated, slightly different, also similar. To what we may have experienced, but it's this concept of being a student of the one that you love's heart so that you know when the anxiety may be manifesting, an attunement to God so mm-hmm. that you know that and you can hear that. And then you press into that with what it says in Proverbs 12, 25, the kind word. And that's what I've found myself doing is, is that I know 
unfortunately, more often than not, when I, by the lack of me giving the mm-hmm. kind word when mm-hmm. I need to, is when, you know, there's those moments when it's like, wow, it may have come off like I take it for granted. Right. I haven't. Right. But it's like, for the love of all that's good sure. and holy, say it if yeah. you appreciate it. Totally. <laughs> so totally. I think that's a really big point right there. And no better place than to get that um, affirmation than, you know, the book of wisdom right. um, in, in in our good words. So that was really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really, really important. Well, Dan, we have three questions for members today. Let's do and it. And we would love to get after some of those with you. Yeah, so great. here is our first one for Pastor Dan. During your sermon, you mentioned that joy is both an emotion and an attitude. How can I reconcile this and see this in the Bible? How can both the joy as an emotion and an attitude affect my ability to be a good Christian? Yeah, great. Such a great question. And, you know, really thankful for that. If I communicated somehow that the Bible stated it's both an attitude and an emotion, it's totally my mistake and definitely not my intent. What I did do during this sermon was I tried to paint two different pictures in the beginning that sort of came together at the end. So I wanted to show biblically what's the definition of joy? What does joy look like for God's people? Biblically speaking, joy is an attitude that we need to adopt, that we need to choose, that we need to chase, that we need to practice. And then I gave some secular opinions as well, right? You could also say these were scientific opinions, but I hate the idea of separating science and the Bible. I feel like the Bible affirms science and science also affirms the Bible. So I chose the word secular, you know, pretty specifically when I was preaching, because these, there was a couple different quotes that I mentioned and they were not religiously based, you know, whatsoever. So that specific quote, you know, that this person's referring to was actually from the Mayo Clinic. So I'll read it again. I've got it here. It says, Joy is a powerful emotion, and harnessing it can be a remedy for stress-related burnout. Contentment and joy can positively improve physical and mental health and overall well-being. So that was published by the Mayo Clinic, right? And I think it's true. I went on to say, you know, multiple studies, of course, show how mental health is important, what we can do physically to strengthen our minds. So I think from a from a scientific perspective, I'm not a doctor, right? I don't I don't have a degree in this area. But I think it's appropriate to say how important it can be to make joy a priority, even if you remove all religious aspects out of it. So when you think about joy as an emotion, I think from a scientific perspective, it's okay to say it's an emotion. It's accurate. But I think biblically, where we see the difference is that we're called to adopt joy not as an emotion, but as an attitude, as part of our foundation, our our heart for the Lord, right? And the way that we answer questions, the way that we live our life, the way that we make our choices. So I think that's where it goes from being an emotion to being an attitude that we choose. We choose to walk through trials with joy. We choose to, you know, take life's ups ups and downs in stride with a heart and an attitude of joy. I think that's good. And thank you so much for that point of clarification. And I do think that what you're stating is actually very true and that there is a relationship between science Mm -hmm. and the Word of God, and they both affirm each other in in their own right. One of the things that I liked what you said was um, you spoke very much about the intentionality of joy, the Mm -hmm. attitude, the choice. And I believe that 
that joy and the emo- and emotion do have a relationship. But I believe emotion, the experience of joy, mm-hmm. is the byproduct of the choice mm-hmm. and the attitude. Yeah. So there's it's more like a cause and effect. And we're living in a society today where we have seen a paradigm shift where people are determining the effect, mm-hmm. the emotion, to be the driving force by which we determine truth. Right. And then we're not considering ourselves responsible for the actions and the responsibilities that create the emotion. And one thing that's really interesting about this season is that Jesus Christ being born into this world is a great offering joyfully Mm -hmm. of order being established again. There was a time when we had perfect harmony with God in Eden before the fall. And the greatest manifestation of how we would feel joy is the result of order Mm -hmm. and obedience. And so Jesus coming, the act of a joyful gift to the world, then becomes the offering of literally order to come. Yeah. And it's our and and so again, our ability to struggle with this concept that joy being an emotion is something that comes first. It's not. It, like you said, it's always the action and the intentionality, the choice, the attitude, and then it is the byproduct that we celebrate joy because of the order, because we've chosen the attitude of joy first. Yeah, definitely. So we have another question here for you. In your sermon, you talked about how Paul and Silas found joy when they were imprisoned, and you talked about your friend Ted who was also able to find joy after having a horrible accident. I couldn't help but hear these stories and be embarrassed at how difficult it is for me to find joy. Do you have any advice for me? Oh, yeah, definitely. Good question. So, you know, part of the sermon, the middle part, was kind of treating this question exactly. How do we find joy when we can't, right? How do we get joy if we're not naturally joyful? So I listed three ideas, you know, right there in the sermon. One, focusing on Christ. We see that in second, in Luke chapter two, we see the angel telling us the story of Jesus, the good news of Jesus creates joy. So our relationship with Jesus, knowing what Jesus came to do, what he still is doing should be creating joy. And if that's a struggle for anyone, if they feel like, you know, I'm a Christian, I have a relationship with Jesus, but I am struggling. I was serious when I said, hey, look, if it's still a struggle, reach out to me, email me, call me, set up a meeting, we'll pray together. I would love to be part of helping whoever asked this question or anyone else find joy. You know, number two, smile, right? We talked about Dr. Diana Samuel and and her quote and how smiling can create that spark of joy for sure. I think that's important. Number three, I mentioned in the sermon, spend some time with someone who is joyful because joyfulness is contagious. And that is no joke. Find someone in your life that is joyful and then book a lunch, book a coffee, spend some time with that person. So that's a little bit of a recap you know, of what I said when I was preaching, but I think for sure it's so important. Number one, recognize it. If you're lacking a spiritual trait, you know, joy in this instance, recognizing it is the first step. So that's great. This person's already taken the first step. They recognize it. Number two, put it in your prayer life. So, you know, every for me, it's morning. It's when I do my quiet time is in the morning because I haven't been impacted by the 
experiences of the day yet, right? Negatively or positively. I want to start my day, quiet time with the Lord, and then pray for that. You know, if I'm, if I'm struggling with generosity, if I'm struggling with patience, if I'm struggling with joyfulness, that's what I'm focused on praying that morning. And it could be three, four, five mornings in a row. Maybe it's weeks in a row, but put it in your prayer life. Ask God to help you be more joyful. Ask him, knock, he'll answer, right? So I would say number three, we can go a little deeper. Maybe you're believing a lie. Maybe there's something unconscious that you have come into agreement with in your life, spiritually, physically, and you don't know, and it's robbing your joy. For some reason, you're not allowing yourself to be joyful. That's huge, right? Pray into that lie. Ask God to show you. Ask him, are there any lies that I'm believing about joy? Pray through that. And then pray through the answers he gives you. And then ask him to reveal the truth to you. The truth sets us free. So when you identify a lie and then you realize the truth, you become free from that lie. I think those three steps, you're on your way to being much, much more joyful, much, much more often. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was definitely a perfect answer to that. And what I'm hearing from you is a few things. One, um, it sounds like you had made a decision to enforce your kingdom with joy. So Mm -hmm. you made that choice. You made that choice first thing in the morning. You also said something very interesting, too, is that if you're not the one who's going to take the willpower Mm -hmm. to enforce your kingdom, you better be around the right people that will positively enforce the kingdom Yeah, because you're going to be a product of your environment. So if you're around negativity Mm -hmm. or if you are around the effects of sin, you are going to be dragged down by that. Right. The other thing I heard you say, which I want to make sure I understood that correctly, and I think I, I totally agree with it, is that you were talking about how in Luke the angel said to, you know, you know, concern your thoughts on Jesus and to focus your thoughts on Jesus. Sometimes when we're caught in this joyless state mm-hmm. or this um, lack of the positive attitude of joy, it's because we're not focusing mm-hmm. on Jesus, which means if we're not focusing on Jesus, what are we focusing on? Right. And if we're focusing on ourselves, really the path to a joyful Christian life is one that puts Jesus as the hero of your story. Mm-hmm. And so if you're the hero of your story and you're the center of your own universe, one, you're going to find there'll be, you know, an unsatisfying end at the road of, at the end of your tunnel. But then also too, it's very hard to attain joy when you don't, when you're not properly aligned. Right in your spiritual walk. Right. And then there is the agreement itself too, is, is have you, have you made the agreement that joy is just not something for you? You've been too, through too much. You've seen too much, but I love the idea is what's your environment look like? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're around something cruddy, it's right. probably not going to be great. And then also too, make sure Jesus is the hero of your story because if, sometimes we get locked up inside of ourselves. Right. Winter comes, the sun doesn't come up as much. Uh, we can be affected by the sun. It's true. Um, lack of sun. Yeah, and sure. Next thing you know, we just become myopic mm-hmm. in our heart and we start thinking of everything that's going on in our world. And then that's when we do come away with this guilt trip after hearing these amazing stories in your yeah. sermon. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what it is. Maybe it's a call to realign yeah. your yourself to make sure Jesus is the hero of your story and right. all that. Well, I would hope that no one, you know, feels guilty per se, but ho- but maybe challenged. Oh and, yeah. And when when you learn what's possible, hopefully there's a challenge there to to reach that, to attain that. Hopefully that's, you know, what what people are dealing with. I think also there can be, you know, we we all want to have fun. We all like to do whatever it is, the activities that for us, you know, create excitement or fun. 
but there really can be uh, danger in just self-seeking fun activities. And if it's just something that's temporarily fun or even it's unhealthy for you, but you perceive it as fun, well, that has a real probability of putting people in a, a perpetual state of a lack of joy because your temporary, unhealthy, fun fixes replace that, but they don't last. You have to get more and more or deeper and deeper. And that's a, that's a quick spiral to a place where joy doesn't exist. Oh, definitely. I find it so interesting that the secular world has taken Christmas verbiage and signage mm. and have inappropriately or in their eyes appropriately associated mm-hmm. these concepts with joy, with consummation, right. consuming a thing yeah, right. and purchasing or choosing a thing. And then what happens? Why are you so empty at the mm-hmm. end of that thing? You need thing? more. You have to buy another one. You have to get a bigger one. Right, right. right. And it's it's just so very interesting. And I think that's the dichotomy that we face in this season is that what is considered to be the second most celebrated time of the Christian year sure. is going to be the second most opposed time of the year by the enemy. Right. And I think that we need to open our eyes and be cognizant of that. Yeah, totally. I'll never forget when I was a kid, I was raised in a very loving family, but I just didn't open up the Bible very you know, much at all. Probably not at all, actually. And and I went to a parochial school, a Christian school, quote unquote, but it was, um, they didn't, that school actually didn't much open up the Bible either. And I remember just not knowing what I was doing. And I wrote Xmas mm-hmm. because I just saw someone else do it. Mm-hmm. I just saw it on a TV. Sure. And it was like, it was an important lesson that I did receive from my mom in that moment, but, but it was like, oh, you know, it would have been nice, you know, this 12 years before that I would have known like sure. what's happening leading up to, right. she's like, you know what you just did? You you actually cut Christ out of Christmas. Right. But I mean, that there's significant opposition there in, totally. in that way, but I guess, you know, I guess to our audience listeners and things like that, just be cognizant of the fact mm-hmm. that there is something happening right now at, at play. While well, this is a great opportunity to celebrate, there's also great opportunity to be cognizant to the fact that um, that there is great opposition to right. the true Christmas. In fact, actually, we do see these beautiful little adorable celebrations of the nativity scene, but mm-hmm. it was a great invasion. Make it no doubt about mm-hmm. that. Herod was actually issuing a decree to execute all boys under right. the age of two all throughout the land. And it was a great invasion of love amongst incredible tumultuous times. Yeah. So, all right. So let's go ahead and get after the last question. Sure. And this is so much fun. I wish I could just do like 15 podcast episodes yeah, right. with you because I just want to hang out with you. Yeah, and, no doubt. You know, it'd be great. It's good. All right. Pastor Dan referred to joy as being connected to Jesus Christ and the power of relationship. Can you elaborate more on the significance of relationship and its effects on creating joy and keeping joy, particularly when people go through trials? Yeah. Uh, such a good question. Uh, I think it was Memorial Day weekend uh, when I preached on the idea of hope, right? And hope and joy are brothers for sure, completely related, best friends. Uh, Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. When you're in a trial, what can first be the light at the end of the tunnel is hope. And once you start to grab hold of hope in the midst of a trial, that's what allows joy to then set in. 
when you're feeling lost, when you're in the wilderness, when you're feeling like, I don't know where to turn, I have no idea how I got here, I have no idea how to get out, there's no hope. When there's no hope, there's no joy. So I, I think from a relationship standpoint, and I'm in a trial, how do I find joy when I'm in a trial? That that strong relationship with Jesus, that meaningful, important relationship that you invest in daily will create hope because the the more invested you are in that, the better you understand your identity and what Jesus offers. And and truly, easier to say than it is to walk out, but truly, anything and everything that we go through on this earth is temporary compared to the eternity that we will spend with Christ. That was actually something that Ted mentioned to me when we were, you know, discussing his situation and, and the testimony. And and he 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 said, big picture, Dan, you know, as as awful as it is to try and live your life with no arms and no hands, big picture, this is temporary, right? We're a mist. Our life here is a mist. So my relationship with the Lord is eternal. I will spend eternity healed with him after this life is over. And again, easier to say than to walk out, especially when you're in the midst of a really difficult trial. But there's hope there, right? There's hope that God can bring anything, he can can bring goodness out of anything that is happening to us if we allow him to, if we give him permission, if we give him control, if we submit. That's where I get into trouble, Josh. I sometimes feel so confident in my experiences or my skill or myself that I don't even check in with the Lord. What's your plan? How do you want me to proceed? Right? And and sometimes what I put together is fine and works out, maybe not as well as what God would have put together for me. Boy, sometimes it takes me the exact wrong direction, right? And I go deeper and deeper into that, into that trial, into that situation. Yep. I totally agree. And I think what you're referring to, which is something that we can all struggle with, is that in our giftings and our talents and in the ways we've learned to protect ourselves as a defense mechanism, we've learned to live in what we would call the self-life. And that posture of the self-life can be very confusing because it can look like to yourself and to the world a good Christian way of living. Mm -hmm. But it is living without God mm-hmm. beside you. One of the things that I was sharing with my high school students is we would, did a two back-to-back series on prayer and the power of harmony and relationship and fellowship with God that we see from 1 John 1, 5 through 7. And then also basically the ability to just have relationship and then the power of a righteous prayer. And I told the students, I said, do you know the reason why God doesn't tell you the future. It's not because he doesn't love you. Mm -hmm. It's because if he told you, you would go out and do it Mm -hmm. without him. Mm -hmm. That's good. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. And And then mess it up. (laughs) Yeah. And so sometimes in our giftings, we have the ability with a well-intended heart, we have come into a new heart of flesh, no longer a heart of stone through our given faith to Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And we're in this journey of formation and becoming like him, that we can act well, but inadvertently act well without him. Mm -hmm. And that can cause us trials. And for me, an indicator for me that it's a potential troublesome time is that when I'm moving very fast or I'm very, very busy, mm-hmm. busyness to me has the same effect of as sin. 
Sure. It takes me away from intimacy with my time with God mm-hmm. and from those whom I love and with my own heart and soul. Right. And and that can be pr- trouble, trouble right. and problematic. And so I think that's the thing is, is that relationship is the key for harnessing that joy. And uh, that's so beautiful. Well, Dan, I'm really, really grateful for you joining us today. I hope to have you on more in the future. Yes, definitely. And it's such an honor and a joy to be uh, a pastor alongside of you. No doubt. It's so neat that we actually share the same birthday of pastor. Yeah, right. We do. Of course. How fun is that? So that's pretty neat. And thank you so much for joining us on today's Going Deeper episode. If you are interested in submitting questions for our pastors to answer, and you are a member of our church, please feel free to email joshm at springhillschurch.org or info at springhillschurch.org. Again, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. And please remember that more important than anything else, you are welcomed here, you are loved, and you matter. Pastor Dan, will you please lead us out in prayer? Yeah, sure. Of course. Thank you. Lord, we thank you so much for this time just to dig a little bit deeper and answer some questions and work to connect and share. And Lord, we love you so much. We thank you, God, for this season. You are the reason for this season. We want to give you all honor, all glory, and all praise in your name. Amen.